Good morning, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It is the first Monday in November, November 6th, 2017. It is Mike Lyon coming to you live with the Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. Coming off a weekend in which there was a lot of action, although not the action we normally see on a weekend, the Patriots, of course, were on their bye week. And we'll get back to action this Sunday in Denver against the Broncos. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. But I want to start on the hard court. And I want to start with the Boston Celtics, who very suddenly are the NBA's best team. They won yesterday their eighth straight game. They overcome a slow start to win going away in Orlando over the Orlando Magic by a final score of 104-88. to Jalen Brown once again leads the way in scoring for the for the Celtics. He has, I think, 19 in the game, but he wasn't alone. They got contributions up and down the lineup as they have throughout the first 10 games of the season. Marcus Morris with the first his first double-digit effort as a Celtic. Jason Tatum in double digits. Kyrie, of course. Al Horford, his usual strong game. Uh, let me say this first. 8-2 and two over 10 games is not a fluke. You know, you, you might get a few wins in a row, three or four, and still consider that a fluke. Eight wins in a row and eight and two over your first 10 games, that's not a fluke. In the NBA, that's a sample size. And when I mean, when you consider the fact that there's only 82 games in comparison to, you know, Major League Baseball where there's 162, there's only 82 games in a regular season in the NBA. Now, that's a long time. It stretches out over... Uh, a number of months, obviously, and, and, and I'll listen to the people who want to shorten the NBA season, but that's not my point. My point is you can get a sense of what a team is like over a 10-game stretch in the NBA. And I don't think for a second that the Celtics are going to go 8-2 and two in 10-game increments and keep winning at an 80% clip. That's not going to happen. And they may very well lose their next game, and they may very well have, have losing streaks, but what an 8-2 and two start tells you is that these Celtics are capable of doing very, very good things. And what it also tells you is the Celtics are a deep team, they're a balanced team, even without Gordon Hayward, and they are still capable this year of making noise. Uh, I think you cannot say enough, first of all, about the job Brad Stevens is doing. Losing his, you know, his most potentially his most valuable player this season, certainly his highest paid player for the year in the first quarter of the first game. And engineering this kind of a turnaround is really remarkable. You can't say enough about the job Brad Stevens has done. You also can't say enough about these players. It's it's a brand new roster, all things considered. There aren't that many holdovers from last year's team. On the you know on the balance of, of, of most rosters in the NBA, I mean clearly you have guys who were on the team last year: Horford, Smart, Jalen Brown, among the, among others. But think about all think about all that the Celtics have gone through in the past. Even if you stretch it out, say the past five months, they trade away Isaiah Thomas, the heart and soul of the team. They trade away Jay Crowder also a big part of last year's team. They trade Avery Bradley, you know, Isaiah's backcourt mate. They bring in, an, bring in an entirely new roster. They trade away the number one pick in the draft. They get the number one pick and then trade it away. 
Then they come to training camp. They go get Kyrie Irving, the, the enigmatic Kyrie Irving, who just makes everybody squirm a little bit with, with some of the things that he says. They go get Gordon Hayward, pay him an awful lot of money. They take the court in the first game of the year in Cleveland. Gordon Hayward shatters his leg in a grotesque injury that makes people squirm. They lose that game against Cleveland. They lose their next one, and now they've won eight in a row. That is pretty remarkable. I don't really care what the Celtics do for the rest of the season, although I can tell you I don't think these Celtics are going anywhere, folks. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're talented. I think they're going to be in this thing. And I think they're going to I think they're going to win that division. They may make some noise in the playoffs. They may not have enough to beat Cleveland, but they're going to be in this thing. I mean, look at some of these numbers. This is indicative of the kind of of contributions the Celtics are getting. And a lot of these numbers are unsustainable and I know that. But again, it's a sample size. I don't think these things are going to drop way off. They'll drop off, but they're not going to drop way off. And even if they drop off a little bit, that's okay. They'll still be really good numbers. I mean, look, think about this. Kyrie Irving, 21 points a game per game is, is what he's averaging. That leads the team. He's by no means the only guy in double figures, averaging in double figures. Brown, Tatum, Horford, all at or near it. Rebounding. Al Horford's averaging nine rebounds a game. I mean, everybody thought this guy couldn't rebound last year. Horford's in there averaging nine a game. That's good. That's really good for Al Horford. I mean, he's not he's not the rebounding machine. He's not Kevin Love in his prime. He's not Kevin McHale in his prime. He's not a rebounding machine. But nine rebounds a game combined with all the other efforts, that's pretty good. And that's a significant step up from where he was last year. Kyrie's also averaging five and a half assists a game and 2.4 steals per game. That's really, really good. Really, really good for a guy that a lot of people said couldn't play defense. That's really, really, those are really, really good numbers. And how about this for three-point percentage? Jason Tatum, in his rookie year, 52% from three-point range. 52%. Al Horford, 51%. Jalen Brown, 42%. Anything above 40 is quite good. Anything above 40 is, is really, really good. Anything above 50 obviously means you're making more threes than you're missing. And, you know, anything above 50 is spectacular. And the Celtics have two guys that are above 50% right now. Jason Tatum looks like the real deal, folks. He looks like the real deal. Looks like he's going to help him now. Looks like he's really going to help him over the course of his, his, his Celtics career. You hope that, they, you know, if you look too far down that line, you hope there's enough time for, for him to, to come in and still have an impact when Hayward gets back next year. But he looks like the real deal. I mean, they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. I said it last week. I'll say it again now. Semi Ojale, I mean, no one even expected that this guy was going to sniff the court, let alone play well and play play playing a key role defensively. Been great off the bench for them. Daniel Theis, shooting 59%. I realize it's in a backup role, but, I mean, come on. They're getting contributions up and down this lineup. It's a pleasure to watch, and it's it, like I said, it's it's tough to. It was tough to see paying a ton of ascent, uh, you know, attention to the Celtics this season. And you could be forgiven, quite frankly, if 
you you've tuned the Celtics or you you you, you kind of tuned the Celtics out after the Hayward injury, and thought to yourself, boy, I don't know how I can watch this team this year just because I'm going to feel so bad, and think about what could have been. I mean, you you can be forgiven for that, but man, if you were on that bandwagon, get if you you know get off, get off because they're really good now. They're really good without Hayward, and. If they're really good without Hayward, imagine what they're going to be like with him next year. But as long as they're really good without him, start paying attention. Because they're going to be good all season. And it's been a I mean, it's, it's just, it's a joy to watch them play basketball, quite frankly. To watch how hard they play, the way they play for each other, the way they share the ball. It's really a lot of fun to watch this team play. So it's eight in a row. They're going to try to make it nine tonight against the Hawks. They're playing in Atlanta. They kind of work their way up the East Coast. And they're going to be, so they're going to be the favorite to win tonight. And then look what comes up after that. And then you get three more at home, starting with the Lakers, who have really struggled out of the gate. Then the Pel- or the I'm sorry, the Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets, going to be favorites to win both of those games. You could be at 11 in a row. And then on Sunday got a busy week this week, by the way. It's a really busy week. Sunday, they play the Raptors for the first time this season in Boston. So that'll be a test, uh, a, a divisional test. The Raptors, of course, probably the second best team in that division. But the Celtics very easily could be an 11 You know, they could be winning 11 in a row by the time they play that Raptors team. That's a lot of basketball, by the way. By the time they play Toronto on uh, on Sunday, that will be one, two, three. That'll be five games in a span of seven or eight days, Sunday to Sunday. That's a lot of basketball. It's an awful lot of basketball. So, you know, give the Celtics, like I said, the Celtics are hot. And it's refreshing to see the way they've played. It's to joy, quite frankly, more than refreshing. It's great to see the way they've played and the way they've responded and the way they've gotten out of the gate. Again, 8-2 and two and 8 in a row is more than a fluke. That's more than a fluke. That's a good sample size in the NBA. That tells you pretty much, that tells you a lot. It doesn't tell you everything. But it tells you an awful lot of what you need to know about this team. And, you know, like I said, if you've, turned, if you've tuned them out this season, you can be forgiven for that, but come back in. Because they're really good. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be around all season long. They're playing really hard for this coach. They're playing really hard for the city. Go Seas. Let's get them again tonight in Atlanta. Last game on the road trip. And then they come back home for three more. So let's switch to their building counterpart, the Bruins. Who, again, cannot... Can't get the same level of consistency that the Celtics can. Of course, it's a long season in, in the NHL. We'll give them the benefit of, of of time here. But they drop another close one. They drop one to three to two to the Washington Capitals on Saturday. And while no one's gonna, you know, no one will blame the Bruins, and, and you can't throw fire in their face or water in their face for for losing to the Capitals, a really good team. Again, it it just seems like we're telling the story every week about these guys. Just not enough consistency in one aspect of the game. Not enough consistency in, in, in a different aspect of the game. If the first aspect gets better, they, they, they can't, for whatever reason, just seem to, to go on a run here, at least not in the early stages of the season. 
And I know I just told you a 10-game sample for the Celtics is, is tells you a lot. Certainly the sample size to this point in the season of the Bruins tells you a lot about where they are. They could get hot here or there. They could get hot. I, I just don't think this roster, as currently constructed, is going to be consistent enough to do any real big damage in, 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 in this conference. And I could be wrong. And in this division, I could be wrong. They, they could get on a roll later in the year. But I just don't, they don't have enough consistent pieces yet. You know, they've got too many guys who are on lower lines. I mean, Brad Marchand gives it to him every night. Patrice Bergeron gives it to him every night. You know, Tugarask is pretty steady. He's going to give up some goals. He's probably not the same goaltender that he used to be, but he's still pretty steady. You know, David Krejci, when he's healthy, and oh, by the way, he's hurt again. You know, he, he, it never seems like this guy can stay healthy for a full season. When he's in there, he's usually productive. Pasternak, same thing. He scored again on Saturday. You're getting consistent play out of the top lines. You just don't have enough consistency with them to be able to be able to trust, you know, more than that. I mean, the Bruins can't roll three lines, let alone four, and expect that that third line is going to be a threat to score when they get on the ice. I mean, it's other teams, better teams like the Capitals, by the way, the Penguins, you know, these teams can roll three, can roll four, and expect production out of three and four. The Bruins used to be able to do that. I mean, if you go back to when they were really good, when they when they won the Stanley Cup in 2011, when they lost it in that, that tough series to the Blackhawks two years later, they had production up and down that lineup. And that's how they got to be so good. I mean, that's how they got to essentially win the whole thing. I mean, they just they, they, they were productive up and down the lineup. They had guys who could always get the puck on net, score, get back and play defense, obviously. And they can still play some defense on this team, but... They don't have enough punch, and I, I've, you know, I, I do. I feel like a broken record with this team too. But they just—they do not have enough punch beyond the top two lines to say to yourself, "Boy, you know, they're going to be a consistent threat and really, really threaten some teams in the East." I mean, Ryan Spooner, God love him, nice enough guy and, a, and an okay player, but just not a threat on that third line. David Backus now, you know, being hurt can't be that third line, or being sick, I should say, can't be that threat. There is still time. Like I said, the season is still young, just like the Celtics season is young. They, they, they could get it turned around and win some games and certainly get themselves in a playoff position. I, I don't trust them, at least right now, to be a threat in the playoffs. They could be there in a couple of years, by the way. Like I said, you know, in the Bruins preview, and I, <clears throat> I, I, I think it's said all often, the Bruins' future is very bright. They've got some young guys, once they get a little more polish, either at the big league level or in Providence, that are going to come up here and help them. A lot of these guys just are not ready yet. They're just not there yet. And even the guys that are up there now, I mean, Andres Bjork, who's a really good player. Jake DeBrusque, who's a very good player. These guys need time. I know they're being given the opportunity to contribute on the top lines, but they need some time, too, to get acclimated. Once these guys get that polish, the Bruins' future is very, very bright and will only get brighter with more draft picks and more guys being brought in. 
but right now I just don't they're not they're not at that level right now they're, they're probably going to be plagued by the same kind of inconsistency that got them last year maybe they'll get into the playoffs but I wouldn't expect them to have home ice advantage unless they get hot and if they get hot hey great we'll be here talking about it but as it stands right now I think what you see with the Bruins at least over the first month and a half of the year is what you're going to get you've got a team that's that's talented but inconsistent and just will struggle to put the puck in the net uh, more often than not. So they come home tonight. This is the last game of that seven game, seven home games in eight in eight stretch that we, we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is the last one tonight. They're home against Minnesota, another team that's been a little inconsistent. And uh, you know, after that they get out on the road. Maybe that's what they need to get out on the road a little bit play some road games, but let's say they get a win tonight. I mean, if they get a win tonight, that would be two, you know, two wins in three games, and the only loss would be to the Capitals, and, you know, no one's going to blame me for losing to the Capitals. Maybe that sparks them a little bit, and we'll see where they go. So let's head out to the gridiron, uh, because we got to start talking about Patriot, the Patriots now. They get back into action, as I said, Sunday night, another night game. You know how much I love these Sunday night games in Denver. So the coverage will be on ABC, NBC, excuse me. Um, the Patriots were installed as a very early seven, or I'm sorry, six-point favorite, not seven, six-point favorite in Denver. And while that seems high and it's for, on its face value, and it may come down, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the line. Uh, given the fact that the Patriots never seemed to play well there, although last year they played a great game in Denver defensively and, and won it. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, Brady's record in Denver, not very good. The only place where his record isn't very good. This Denver team is really not that good. It's really not. I watched the game. They, they played the Eagles yesterday here in Philadelphia. And like I said, I, I, I can pay attention to these games because, you know, when I'm in Philadelphia and they're going to play all the Philadelphia games. So I got a really good look at the Broncos yesterday. And the Eagles are a very good team. In fact, the best team in the NFL so far. Uh, but they're not that good. I mean, I've, I've watched the Eagles pretty closely. My wife's an Eagles fan. My family's, I have, I'm married into an Eagles family. I've, I've watched a lot of Eagles games this year. The Eagles are good. They have a really good quarterback in Carson Wentz. But they're not that good. And what they did to Denver yesterday was, you know, they scored 51 points Denver, you know, they won 51 to 23. The game was not that close. It was not that close. It was a blowout from the start. And the, the and Denver, Denver's team had a lot to do with that. I mean, the Eagles played well, take nothing away from what they did. They've played well earlier in the season. And you can say, well, it's a blowout to the best team in the NFL. Uh, it's not just that. This Denver team is really not that good. They've got major, major quarterback problems. When you're turning to Brock Osweiler midseason to quote-unquote solve your quarterback problems, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because he's not that good. And he made some throws yesterday. I mean, he threw two interceptions. It, quite frankly, should have been at least three, if not four. Uh, you know, and, and you're telling me he's the answer? That's a problem. But I think what, what was most surprising was... You know, what the, the, the Broncos did, or, or, you know, probably better suited, did not do defensively 
against the Eagles. And again, the Eagles have a good offense. I mean, like I said, Wentz is a very good quarterback and is playing great. But Denver's defense was shredded yesterday to the tune of, like I said, 51 points. But I can't remember the last time I saw a Denver defense play as bad as they did. They were horrible yesterday. I mean, you're, you're talking about guys being faked out of their shoes on some basic routes. Eagles runners were running through wide open holes. They were bowling when they weren't running through wide open holes. They were bowling over tacklers. I mean, Jay Ajayi's in his first game as an Eagle yesterday. And if you didn't see it, the Dolphins traded Jay Ajayi to the Eagles. And Ajayi scored a touchdown run down the left sideline on a play where he was not touched until he got to basically the goal line. And, I mean, you, you say to yourself, is this the same defense that two years ago, you know, basically stole an AFC championship from Tom Brady and then again stole a Super Bowl for, for Peyton Manning? And it really is. I mean, there, there's, there hasn't been too, too much turnover in that defense. I mean, Danny Trevathan's not there anymore, but he's lost a step too, by the way. So even if he had, even if he was there, he'd be, he'd be losing a step. But Von Miller's there. Derek Wolf's there. You know, Chris Harris is there. Akeem Talib is there. Darian Stewart is there. I mean, the, 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 there, there hasn't been a ton of turnover in this team. And going into the game yesterday, you're still talking about a defense that was pretty highly ranked. And the, I mean, the, the Eagles shredded it yesterday. They did. And credit them for that. But the Broncos were just inept. I mean, they were just, just awful yesterday. I mean, to say they scored 23 points is an aberration, first of all. They got seven points on a strip sack against the Eagles' second-team offense. You know, they had a... a they, they, the, the Eagles were... You know, they had, the, they had the, basically the entire second team in. And, uh, and you know, like I said, they got a strip sack and, and scored a touchdown on that. The only offensive touchdown for the Broncos came in garbage time when basically the stadium was half empty. It, it, I mean, this Broncos team really is not good. They are, to say they're reeling would be an understatement. They're not a good team right now. Really not. As bad as the Patriots have been at times, I mean, I don't... The, the Patriots' defense probably did look worse than that. In fact, did look worse than that against Kansas City and Carolina especially. But that's as bad as the... You know, the, the Broncos' defense yesterday resembled that. Honest to God, it did. It resembled that those, those poor defensive efforts by the Patriots. So... Don't be very surprised that the Patriots are six-point favorites in Denver, again, coming off of a bye and having played the way they did. That's what they're going to face on Sunday. And, you know, like I said, if, if you're going to catch Denver in Denver, this is the time you want to be doing it. Last year, I said it from the beginning of the season when the schedule was, was released. I hated that spot for the Patriots. When they played Denver, they were playing in Denver on a short week in December. And at the time, they were playing a Broncos team that desperately needed a win and was a better team than this year's team. And the Patriots went in there and won convincingly. This year, they're going to play in Denver coming off a bye against the Broncos team that is not that good. 
has major quarterback problems, has major problems on the offensive line, now has major defensive problems. This is the time you want to go into Denver if you're the Patriots. What is going to be tough for the Pats after that is something I alluded to last week. They've got to stay, they're going to stay in Colorado and get kind of adjusted to the high altitudes because from Colorado they're going to go down to Mexico City and play the Raiders from there. So it's an interesting stretch for the Patriots. It's a, like I said, what looked on paper to be a very difficult game earlier on in the season and then a difficult two-game swing is not nearly as difficult as it seemed before because of how poorly Denver is playing right now. The Patriots are getting them at a very, very good time. And before we get too far down the, the, the Denver game rabbit hole, we'll talk about them later in the week. But uh, I just wanted to, to say that just because I, I saw that Denver game yesterday, the way they played against the Eagles, and it's just it's not a good football team right now. So the uh, some other AFC East notes and some, some things that happened yesterday affecting the Patriots. The, uh, we all know what happened on Thursday by now. The Buffalo Bills and the Je and New York Jets played. The Jets won a convincing 34-21 game over the Bills. Bills need to right the ship this weekend. Patriots now have a game lead over them. They have not played each other yet and will not until the Patriots get back from this two-game trip that they're on. It goes Patriots. I'm sorry, Patriots in first in the division, six and two. Bills five and three in second in the division, and a surprising five and three at that. I think the Bills have to be pretty happy with with five and three. If you told them at the beginning of the season with this roster they'd be five and three at the midway point, I think they would have taken it. The Jets are four and five, and if you had told the Jets that they were going to be four and five after nine games in the season, I think they would have taken it. The Dolphins are four and four and going nowhere fast. The Dolphins obviously traded away JHI. That seemed to rattle them. They've got quarterback problems of their own with Jay Cutler there. Not a good team right now. Uh, so you would think, you know, the way the Patriots are constructed and the way the Patriots, the, the, the team that the Patriots have, they're probably going to win the AFC East again. It's hard to see any of those divisional teams coming into Foxborough and winning divisional games. And again, the Patriots have only played one division game so far this season. It was that game in New York that they pulled out. They haven't faced the Bills yet. They haven't faced the Dolphins yet. And they still have to play the Jets at home. So there's a lot of season left. It's an inch, it's 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 a different one. You know, it's a different kind of season schedule than the Patriots are used to. Usually you have a lot more divisional games than this. The fact that they have none gives you a little bit of pause. You can't give the Patriots the division yet because teams are still going to have a chance to knock them off. But I don't, you know, the, the way these teams have gone and the way they're constructed, you don't think they're going to be real threats to the Patriots. You don't think anybody's coming into Foxborough and winning that game. Down the course of the season, I certainly don't. But you'll have to see how it goes. Elsewhere in the AFC, the Chiefs take one on the chin last night. They lose in Dallas. The Cowboys start trying to reassert themselves in the NFC. The Chiefs, for all the, like I said, for, for, for all the, the bravado and the, the big start that they had, the way they beat the Patriots on opening night, the Chiefs are now a half game behind the Patriots in the AFC East. They do have a game in hand, or the Patriots have a game in hand, 6-2 and two versus the Chiefs 6-3. and three. 
The Steelers also 6-2. They're on a bye this week. Uh, and so, as it stands right now, Patriots-Steelers atop the AFC. I don't know who has the tiebreaker, but that won't matter because they play each other in Pittsburgh in December. That could be a big game for playoff positioning. Yet again, you have a, a putrid logjam in the AFC South. Someone's going to win the division. Whoever it is, it's not going to be nearly as good as the other three teams that we mentioned. It, it looks like right now the Steelers, the Patriots, and the Chiefs, to some extent, are the class of the AFC. Like I said, as bad as the Patriots have been at various times during this season, they're still 6-2. and two. You're still talking about them as one of the prime contenders in the AFC. And as long as they kind of stay around, this is what the Patriots do. As long as they stick around, as long as they're in the mix of things, the Patriots generally find a way to get, you know, get into contention. And obviously over the past several years, find a way to be factors in the AFC playoffs and in the AFC race. So... Rest of the week, pay attention to the injury reports. Uh, the big one for the Patriots is Chris Hogan. If, 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 if Hogan is going to be healthy enough after the bye to, to play on Sunday, I suspect he may not. Uh, Stefan Gilmore will also be one to watch. He was close to playing before the bye. He didn't against the, against the Chargers. Uh, but he'd be another one to watch this week. Pay attention to, to your injury reports. They'll get back to practice either tomorrow or Wednesday, and you'll have a better idea by then. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the show for today. Uh, thanks to all of the listeners. And uh, just so you know, for the week ahead, and uh, in the morning I run into a lot of, I, I, I apologize for missing another show on Friday. Uh, I don't want to make excuses for it, but I run into a lot of scheduling issues with, with my schedule at work and at home with a three-year-old. It's not always simple to take this show in the morning. I'll try to give more advance notice to the extent that I can. Uh, as to when I'm going to have a show, when I'm not going to have a show. This week, I sh there should be a show every day except for Thursday. Thursday, if we can get a show in, we will, but I have some early morning meetings that day. So we probably will not be able to tape on Thursday. Uh, other than that, there should be a show pretty much every day this week. Tomorrow, we've got a Celtics game and a Bruins game to break down. We may have some Patriots injury news. Uh, to pass along as well. So, you know, maybe we'll have a little bit of a shorter show tomorrow, but we'll certainly have some stuff to break down. Uh, Wednesday and Friday, we'll start previewing the Patriots. Obviously, Friday will be Patriots preview Friday uh, to talk about the matchup against the Broncos. But stay tuned. We'll have some good stuff this week. We will get into it the best we can. For now, enjoy your Monday. Uh, it's going to get a lot cooler, at least here in Philly. And I'm sure it is in, the North, in, in New England as well. By the end of this week, it's going to start feeling like fall, late fall and winter. Uh, so <clears throat> enjoy this somewhat warm temperature while you still can. And enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the start of November. Go out and vote tomorrow. I'll remind you again tomorrow, wherever you are. Uh, go out and vote tomorrow if you get the chance to do so and you're registered to do so. For now, make it a great Monday. This is Mike Lyon with the Boston Wicked Awesome Boston Sports Podcast. We will see you tomorrow morning, everybody. Goodbye.